I have to be very careful not to start doing things that other people want me to do that I don't want to do just because that might make us more money. So today I want to talk to you about an idea that I've been tossing around in my head for a while that I've been trying to turn into something concrete that maybe we can just kind of flush out here and maybe turn into something that people can get some value from, which is thinking about like running your company like a band instead of like a traditional business. It's been something that's been on my mind a lot lately. I've tweeted a couple of random things about it here and there trying to find like some juicy stuff to read where I can sort of take away some interesting stuff, but don't have it all figured out. But I thought it'd be kind of fun, fun to run through. You've sort of like kicked this over to me a few times and we've like talked it back and forth. And I really like this metaphor. And I, I feel like it's an interesting response to a thing that I've noticed, particularly for you, which is there is a set of accepted business advice out there mm-hmm. around things like hiring and delegation. And it seems like it has never really clicked for you and like just caused like anxiety or guilt. Yes. Yeah. And like I think of you honestly more like an artist person than a business person. Yeah. Like, I think of you as a producty, artisty, creator type more than like I want to make a software company now. And so it totally makes sense that like that the normal models of how you might do these things doesn't don't fit and the fact that like you sort of found this alternate metaphor that maybe like lines up better with how you think makes a lot of sense to me and i'm stoked to to dive into it also no guarantee that any of this is a good idea but it is interesting to just sort of think about like how do things work over there if you take that metaphor and apply it here is that interesting does that like unlock any like creative ideas you know so yeah i I agree with you with the the general idea that i never really set out to become like a ceo of a company that was never an ambition for me self-describing as a ceo feels like a total larp to me but at the end of the day i have a team now of eight people that i'm sort of responsible for setting the vision for and making sure things run smoothly and that we're working on the right stuff and that we're doing good work and that everyone's enjoying what they're doing so that is kind of the job and and I'm trying to figure out how do I make sure that I have the job I want without giving up the creative control that that I want either and I think the band metaphor is really helpful there so the way I kind of think about it that you kind of alluded to is you look at a band like the Foo Fighters huge rock band you got to believe there's an LLC or a C Corp that powers this whole thing at the end of the day with tons of people involved in making sure all this stuff works. But Dave Grohl, the dude who started the whole thing from the beginning, is still writing music, performing songs on stage, and getting to do what he loves. But somehow the whole thing scaled and works and is good. So there's got to be something that we could take away from Mm -hmm. how these things work and apply to how we do things here. So I'll say like one change that we've made in the last year and a bit that has helped me a lot is to bring on the equivalent of like a band manager, you know? So all of these bands, they have this band manager, someone who's behind the scenes, making sure everything is running smoothly from an operational perspective, making sure, you know, like Tommy Lee from Motley Crue is probably not like filing his own taxes, you know, someone else is dealing with that sort of stuff. So uh, we brought on my friend Jonathan Rennick, who helped me create Tailwind initially in the first place as an, another partner of the company to sort of have more of a focus on the operational sides of the business. And we're figuring out over time what actually belongs on that side of the line and what belongs on the more sort of product-driven side of the line. But he owns all bookkeeping stuff. And that doesn't mean he's our bookkeeper. It just means 
He's the one responsible for making sure the books are getting done. I don't think about it whatsoever. I just trust that someone's thinking about it and making sure it gets done. Same with customer support. Of course, if someone needs my input, I give them my input, but I, it's not on my to-do list every day to go open help scout and check what support tickets are there and stuff like that. A lot of GitHub issues stuff isn't really on my plate anymore. I still help with it a lot, but I'm not the one making sure it's being paid attention to. Legal stuff, you know, just just anything that feels like it's like clogging the arteries of my ability to work on the product is stuff that yeah. I've been sort of handing over. You know, I think no real CEO is doing the taxes and the bookkeeping and and stuff like that either. So I don't think this is necessarily like a band specific thing, honestly, either. But But what it is for me anyways, is just like, there's this natural tendency as like the owner of the business, you're the one who cares about all this stuff working. And if you're not careful, like that stuff fills up a lot of your time, it fills up a lot of your responsibilities, and you don't have a lot of time left. So thinking about like, how do I make sure I'm always holding the guitar, writing the songs, and not doing all this other stuff that prevents me from being able to do the thing that provides the most value and noticing, observing that, well, how, how does it, how does a band deal with that problem? Like helped me sort of unlock what I needed to do here. Yeah. I think it's worth noticing that you decided to hire somebody to take over the parts that you were not in love with. Mm-hmm. because you, you could have like deciding what you're going to do. Like it, I do think there's some pressure in the world. Like there's some like business advice truisms that are floating out there that are like, you know, you should be learning an area of the business and then hiring someone to take it over and then moving to the next one and just getting more and more stuff off your plate. And you should be basically a delegation machine. You just like sh- yes. shove stuff at other people. And always trying to find people who are better at it than you. And Exactly. And so you'd be like, I'm, I remember you telling me like, I, I just, I'm not sure I'm going to find someone who's better at designing Tailwind APIs than I am. Or like even if that's I gonna... could, like, I like doing that, you know? Right. Yeah. So exactly. why would I want to not do that anymore? Um, sure. That, that surely was not your vision when you started, right? Like you didn't no. make Tailwind thinking, oh man, if this goes really well, someday I could like not be doing this at all. Yeah. Yeah. But you kind of end up in that spot if you just think about... What am I supposed to do to run a successful business? How do I make this business like a real business that operates efficiently and, you know, in a way that I I do I don't feel like in a room of other CEOs that I'm like a joke who has no idea how like yeah. imposter syndrome driven businessing, yes. you know? Right. Um, There's so much fear out there. There's a lot of people that would be like, here's how you run a business. And so there's like a lot of like supply of like, this is the way to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're never going to be anything. And there's also just a lot of fear because this the job is really hard and it's full of chaos and complexity. And so it's very, it's seductive to think like, oh, this system over here or this model or this book is like the answer for how to business well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that type of advice tends to be much more on the like, well, you got to delegate everything. That's just the answer. You're building yeah. an organization, like work on your organization. That kind of yeah. thing. And there's, I think this is a great topic to cover because I don't think there are that many people that take the other side of that. No. And say like, not. yeah. So, so it's like, The band metaphor is the only thing I've found that feels like it gives me permission to keep doing the work, you know? Mm-hmm. And it gives, and it makes a very strong case for it, I feel like, because if you, if you see the work that you do as a creative outlet, which I think so many programmers do, then it's not that different from making music, you know? 
I, I also suspect there's, I bet there's just a lot of CEOs out there that have like are following standard advice and they're just not that happy. Like I'm not convinced that that yeah. approach leads to like a really wonderful work life for folks. Probably not. And, and the ones that are, are, are they're just different people than, you know, I am. Or sure. And I'm yeah, sure exactly. a lot of people listening to this are. There's people who are born to be leaders of large companies doing board meetings, doing whatever. And that's yeah. awesome. Like I, I, I love the fact that there's people out there who want that lifestyle and can get it and like have exactly the life that they want, you know? But I think it's important to, to identify that, you know, like the whole reason I even have a business is just because I had products that I liked working on and I wanted to work on them more. And to be able to work on them more someone needs to give me money and to receive money, I need to have a business. And now I accidentally have this business that I am responsible for just because I'm trying to make products. And it's really important to me to just like not lose sight of what I was trying to do in the first place. And, you know, for a while there, I I was just like, just struggling to even believe there was, there was any solution. I specifically remember like in the early stages of our company, after we had hired our first couple people, I need to like figure out a way to get passionate about like company building. Otherwise yeah, I'm not allowed this. to have this role, you know, mm-hmm. and I need to hire like another CEO or I need to not have employees or whatever. And I, I just think that's kind of bullshit. I think you can run things however you want, just because you need other people's help to achieve the things you want to achieve. doesn't mean like you can't still do the things the parts that you are awesome at, that you enjoy doing. Totally. It's a hard thing to continually think about, like, what do I actually want? Like, which mm-hmm. of these paths is going to make me happier? And like, not to lose sight of like, I. one of the reasons we started this business was so that we would have a great job that we really liked. Yeah. And so if you just keep sacrificing your own enjoyment at the altar of this is best for the business, you just end up with a business that has a miserable founder which is yeah. not what anybody wants. Sorry, one last thing. One last thing on, on the band manager. So we did this as well. So we hired Steven and made him our COO. And like in my mind, like Steven runs the company. Yeah. It's like I, I have jobs within the company that are related to product and strategy and sometimes hiring and things like that. But like the day-to-day functioning of marketing and sales and one-on-ones and taxes and payroll, like all this stuff, it's just like, no, that is that is him. And mm-hmm. feeling like... I can focus on the stuff that I love and that gives me joy and is and where I'm like uniquely able to add value. It just feels it feels great. So I, I also have done this and I also super recommend it. And you didn't give up your ability to sort of influence what you guys are doing with the product to do that, right? That's totally, kind of the yeah. important thing. That I mean, yeah, that's what I spend most of my time on actually is product work. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Very good. So that that is a common trap that I think anyone is going to fall into if they just kind of follow the common business advice, especially if they're coming from a place of, I like to make shit, you know, you're, the gravity is going to pull you in that direction. And this is like the anti-e-myth. This thing yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have that book, you know, <laughs> you buy that book because you're struggling to figure out how the hell to stay on top of everything. And, and it's a good template. Being like, oh, if you're a baker, you eventually you got to stop baking and hire other bakers to like run your bake shop. And like, I think for a lot of types of people and a lot of types of work, that makes perfect sense. And so it's probably great advice for a lot of scenarios. Yeah. But if you got into into the baking business to bake because it gives yeah. you great joy, then it's not the right advice for you. Yeah, you got to find a way to keep baking. You know, 
Yep. Yep. All right. Next one. So I'll just put this out there as a headline. Make things for your fans, not for your critics. So this is something I have to remind myself of a lot in the tailwind business because <laughs> we're we face a lot of criticism all the time. You know, it's a it's a polarizing tool. And a lot of people yeah. hate it and a lot of people love it. And this is true of other people I know who have built similar things, like Taylor, who works on Laravel, has been through similar phases that me and him have talked about over the years, where it's easy to fall into this trap of just like wanting to please the people who are shitting on your stuff and wanting to like, oh man, I got to win these people over, like seeing these, putting these people on a pedestal and thinking they must be smarter than me if they're like criticizing my tool. How do I kind of add the features that are going to make them think that this stuff isn't so bad? And that's a trap. The band analogy there is like Slayer should never start writing songs to make the people who hate Slayer because they like country music happy. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just going to make Slayer a shitty band. You make the music that all the people come into the concerts want to hear. Focus on the people who are like moshing in the front row and having the time of their life while you play these songs and just like make more stuff for them. And that's something I have to remind myself of all the time. But when I do and when I operate that way, like everything's just better, you know, and the reality is there's always going to be people who don't like what you're doing. And when you try to make something for everyone, you make something for no one. So if there's enough people who like what you're doing, just keep those people happy and focus on that. And your life is going to be better and your product is going to be better. Does anyone hate Tuple? I think people kind of just like Tuple. Yeah, we don't really have any haters. Weirdly. I don't know. But we like we I guess we take less of a we take much less of a stand than Tailwind. Like sure. Tailwind was like, you're doing it this way. You thought this is a best practice. It actually kind of sucks. And you're going to have to admit that in order to come over mm-hmm. and enjoy this thing over here. So it's it, it makes sense. That, I mean, it makes sense. You have like way more haters. I, I would say, particularly in the early days of Tuple, I think we were really good at, say, at like saying like, that's not our customer. Yeah. Like people would be like, you want X hundred dollars per year for this tool when I could use this one over here? And I'd be like, oh yeah, no, this is just not for you. Like if, yeah. if that's if that's the way you evaluate this or like 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 dollars per month or like if this bad if like this crappy tool over here that's cheaper is like a good argument for you like you think you've like made scored a point against us like oh yeah you're just you're just not our customer yeah and I think that definitely helped us where it's like oh we 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 are making this for people that that care about like little nice details in tools or like processor like CPU usage or things like that and I think that has served as well another one that's kind of like in the in the same boat but also intention with it a little bit is to um, always do the things that like you want to do. So so something that I've kind of taken away from thinking about things as a band too is when a band like writes music in their rehearsal hall, they're like sitting there together working out the tunes. They're like writing the stuff that they're getting excited about, that they're excited to go on stage and play to people. And you do that for enough years and put out enough records or whatever. And your hope is just that enough people out there like the stuff that you like that they buy tickets and buy albums and buy merchandise that it makes the whole thing work that is good business advice if you want to run your business this way but you know i'm going to make the counterpoint here is to be doing lots of market research to be doing lots of surveys to be talking to lots of people finding out what they want trying to understand their problems trying to build exactly the things that they need and i think that's the right way to build a big business that solves other people's problems but a band would never do that. 
they do it probably to the extent that they know like what songs get the best reactions when they perform live and maybe that fuels them a little bit and it's like i love playing that song because i love how everyone reacts so we should write more songs like that so there's a little bit there that i think still applies but i think for the most part you write the music that you love and you hope that enough people come out to see it so when i'm working on something like tailwind i'm trying to make the thing that i want and i hope that enough other people like it that it can work and the key point i think is that as long as that remains true as long as like there's enough revenue coming into the business while all i'm doing is exactly what i want to do i have to be very careful not to start doing that things that other people want me to do that i don't want to do just because that might make us more money it's very easy to fall into this trap of like optimizing for like growth that you don't need at the expense of like happiness that I think is more, more important to me anyways. Like it sounds like lofty or whatever, but sort of the purity of the art matters to me, you know? And it, it's so seductive though, the, like the money part in particular. It's like the fact that's like, oh, I, I'm pretty sure if we did this, this would turn into money like pretty directly and quickly is yeah. really hard to fight against. And if the business needs the money, then you should do it for sure. And I'm in a weird place, probably like an unusual place. Like most of my people in my network, they really do want to grow their businesses. They're trying to find product market fit. They're trying to get that flywheel moving and make everything work. But for us, it's working now. And I have to be careful not to like keep trying to make it work better at the expense of like, well, shit, actually, we got here now. So now the point is to like be happy, you know, and do the things that we want to do and be fulfilled. And it, and when there's opportunity out there to grow, it's really easy to just kind of get, get pulled into it. But thinking about it from, again, that like band metaphor, like what music am I going to write helps me sort of remember, again, give me permission to kind of do it that way and feel like that's a valid approach, you know? I think this dovetails very nicely into another idea of turning over your rep over time. So if you are a band and you just go into concerts and play your hits, people will be pretty into that because people love hearing the hits. You're going to get so bored. You're going to stagnate so fast. And so I think it's not worth continuing to do new things because it will make you extra money that you don't need or the market is asking for you for it. But I think for your own creative enjoyment, you're yeah. going to want to push into new things and yes. attempt new things and rewrite old songs or write, make uh-huh. brand new songs and, and things of that nature. Yeah, that's a good point. That actually makes me think of something that we're kind of doing right now. Like we're exploring rewriting some like core pieces of Tailwind and Rust to make it faster. But Tailwind's already fast. So that's not really the mm-hmm. r- real motivation. The real motivation is like, learning new programming languages is really fun. And I haven't done that Mm -hmm. in a long time. And even if it doesn't make business sense, don't really care because it's fun, you know? And there's no real like reason outside of the company, you know, like from the no external force necessarily that's saying you should, you need to do this or whatever. And, And in fact, like most people will never notice or care but it, it helps me stay engaged, you know, and fulfilled. So yeah. I'm going to do it. So I think I like that's that. kind of an interesting example of that too. I think there's an interesting idea here as well around a band having a front man. Mm-hmm. If, if it was like the Foo Fighters Corporation, 
yeah showing up to play and like some some people like some random amalgamation of people were going to show up on stage and like play that had been selected by the corporation like you 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 can't identify with that really that's not you know no one becomes a fan of that but a a thing that we always leaned into especially in our early days was like trying to be personal like be, be people and like be real and be vulnerable and put ourselves out there and talk about what we were doing and I feel like it made the story of the company more inter- like followable and interesting, and it made people root for us. Yes. And I, I think this is actually a thing we got away from. Like I, I sort of pulled back from like public stuff a little bit uh, in like 2022, and I I'm I'm trying to shift that and like change that direction this year because I think people want to root for people. Like they want to do business with people. They want to know who they're working with, like who, whose things mm-hmm. they're using. And so I think accepting like, oh, like a, a business should probably have a front man or front people or, or whatnot is actually a, a really useful idea from that. that, that yeah, that that's that's a really good one because it, it kind of ties back to one of the things we were talking about earlier too, right? Which is like so many business, so much business advice out there will tell you to sort of like make your business as sellable as possible. You know, like yeah. you don't want the business to be like intertwined with your like personal brand or whatever if you want to be able to treat it as this like independent asset but the Foo Fighters can't sell the band you know they're stuck with it for life they can't even pass the band down to their kids or whatever either you know and that can that's just okay like for Tailwind stuff I tweet all Tailwind product announcements and stuff from my personal Twitter not from the Tailwind Twitter account if you look through the Tailwind Twitter account, occasionally I'll post things from the Tailwind Twitter account, but usually it's like I announced a new version of Tailwind. Then like the next day I announced again on the Tailwind Twitter just to sort of get the information out there again. But most of the Tailwind Twitter account timeline is just retweeting me. And yet it still has more fucking followers than me at this point. <laughs> Rude. But yeah, I think that's like a, a good example of that too. Like pe- people are interested in people. You know, if you look at it from a band metaphor, people want to follow Dave Grohl on Instagram. They don't want to follow the Foo Fighters on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It just looks like some buffer scheduled bullshit with a bunch of nonsense in there. It do- it looks like a brand, you know. No one wants to like cares what a brand has to say. People want to see people. They want to sort of see what's really going on. That kind of ties into like the next thing I want to talk about too, which is a bit of like marketing advice. One thing I always loved about bands that I followed was like being able to see what's happening behind the scenes. And I think you get a lot of that when you're when you're out there as individual people in a company too, instead of as, as a brand. But I always loved watching like studio diary videos where like some of my favorite bands would post like an update every week. Like here's like the video that we put together from the studio. You can watch us like recording the music that's not been released yet and get like little pieces of mm. it and stuff like that mm-hmm. or see what it's like to be on tour or... You know, even the stuff like not many of my favorite bands did this, but the ones that did, I like really built a connection with the bands that would release like the guitar tablature for their music, Mm. like the guitarist from like at the gates, was just like a Swedish death metal band that I have fucking tattooed on my leg would write up all the tabs for how to play all the songs. And he'd like post them on his personal website and I could go get them like right from him. Like this is how you play the songs from the guy in the band, not like the mass produced, like buy it at the guitar store. You have no idea if this is just like someone who works for that company who learned it by ear and tried their best to transcribe it. No, this is like for real how you play this stuff. And I I don't know like what the direct analogy for that is, but 
I've done a lot of that stuff and like I'm gonna live stream me building a website with Tailwind CSS and you can see how I do it, you know? Or we're gonna open source our code and you can see how we built the Tailwind website, you know, stuff like that. So I, I think at least me for this, the music analogy, I've always loved the behind the scenes stuff. I've always loved getting like the how does it work info directly from the band itself. And I think that's something that you can do as a company making products too and make that same sort of connection with people. Yeah, I think forgetting that it, the creative process is interesting to other people is the sort of the key, the key mistake there. Mm-hmm. Is thinking that like, oh, what people want is a finished song. And like, yeah, they do. But it's there's like a lot of interesting stuff along the way there. Yeah, 100%. I don't think this is necessarily the best one, but this is something I thought about this related to this too. When you release a product in like early access as a company, you kind of feel like you need to give people a discount. You know, you want to join the beta. It's like discounted or free or whatever. If a band was going to like give you access to like the unmastered version of the album before it was out, you'd be paying a lot more for that, not less. You know what I mean? So I don't know if there's a lesson to be learned there, but I, th- I think it's interesting to to think that, you know, maybe unfinished work has more value than you think. Yeah. I mean, so we did this like when we sold the first like 40 or 50 customers of Tuple, we required people to pay annually. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the later company customers were able to pay monthly and but like we were asked we asked for much more commitment from the initial people and for us that was because we wanted like the roadmap to be guided by our like truest fans like the people in the yeah. fan club and I think that was I think that was a lot, that was a useful thing to do. Yeah. Another one that I've been thinking about a lot especially lately is that as a band bands are just by necessity a small group of people. Like there are some bands that are you know I don't know. I, a band is like three to seven people probably on average. You know what I mean? And I think a small company can be a bit bigger than that. But if if you want to think about your company as this like tight group of creatives working together on like a core vision and you're going to be that sort of size, then you have to be careful to only do one thing at a time. And that's a lesson that I keep learning over and over and over again. As like a remote company working on a computer, it's so easy to have like so many things going on at the same time and like slowly making progress on a bunch of different things where if you just focused on one thing, you would get it done. In a band setting, the reason this like clicked for me is that they have like no choice. When you're a band, like you're either on stage performing right now, you're like in the studio recording the album, you're like rehearsing for the tour. Yeah, you could like be working on some new songs on the tour bus, like as you drive like to the next place and come up with some ideas and stuff like that. But when it really comes time to like write the album, like you get into that mindset and you write the album and maybe you like fly somewhere to do like one show during like the two months that you're like writing the album or something, but you're not like trying to multitask like crazy. You're either like, doing this, you're doing this, or you're doing this. And thinking about that from our perspective as a company has been helpful because it just gets proven to me over and over again. Every time we can get the whole company rallied behind one thing, it's just better. It's just a better vibe. It's more productive. Everyone's on the same page. The quality of the work is higher. Everyone's happier, especially me, because I don't feel like I'm trying to be focused on this one important thing, but also having to like give input to this thing that's just not on my mind right now, but other people on the team are working on it and they need my feedback. So I have to like context switch to get over there and do it. So what we've been finding is just like trying to get the whole company focused on the same thing 
as much as possible has just been better. And mm. often that means that people are like, you know, quote unquote, underutilized, like we're doing this tailwind drive refresh right now where we're redesigning a bunch of stuff, rebuilding a bunch of stuff. And some of the people on the team are mostly focused on like GitHub issues while we're doing this in sort of a self-directed way. But once in a while, there's something that one of those guys can help with on this that they can spend a day on and we'll pull them in and they'll do that. It automatically becomes like the number one priority. It's like you're sort of in a holding pattern, doing reactionary work, whatever you can to be helpful. But if there's ever like, oh, here's the opportunity for you to help on the thing that's the focus, like immediately you jump to that. You know, that's, Mm. we all know as a company, that is the thing that we're doing. And everything just goes better for us. Like when we're Mm. thinking about it that way. That's interesting. I want to try this. So we're doing shape up. And so we have these like cycles that last about eight weeks. And I want to do a themed cycle eventually. And just Mm -hmm. be like, we're all on this like main thing. Or like, this is the project. And like, everyone is like, everything is subordinate to like this particular core idea here. And it can be hard and it can be stressful because like I'm saying, a lot of the time, the skill sets needed for a particular project are just unbalanced with what exists on the team. Like the next thing that we want to do is this big Tailwind 3.3 release with a bunch of new features and whatever. And there's just a lot of that is just like sitting in your editor writing code, which means like James and Steve, who are the designers on the team, they're probably not going to be as busy helping on this particular thing. You know, they'll hack on some stuff and whatever, but I'm not going to like put a project on the calendar that's like a design heavy project just to make sure that they have something like quote unquote important to do. Mm. I'd rather them like explore things, learn how to like do something they don't know how to do, whatever, and just be able to pull them in when it's like, ah, Steve, like I need you to help me come up with like a demo for this new feature for the release notes. And I want it to look good. Can we like hack on this for an afternoon? And he'll be able to say like, yep, I'm available. And now Mm -hmm. I can help you make that thing as good as possible. And the other thing we can do there is we can just like, go further in areas that don't necessarily matter that much just because the resources are there to help with it. So for the 3.3 thing, something we've been talking about internally is instead of just doing a blog post, I kind of want to do a website for it. Like when Apple does like, here's the new version of Mac OS. Here's like the website that has all the new features sort of laid out in a visually cool way and kind of walks you through it. So instead of just like a wall of text with some demos, it's like tailwindcss.com slash 3.3. Here's the page. It's designed like a marketing site. And it mm doesn't necessarily make sense to do that but be like there's not a huge roi on it but it allows the whole company to still be like focused on the one thing and make like the best use of the people that we have and get something better out of it than we would have got even if it's like way beyond like the point of diminishing returns in terms of effort you know so that's another way i've been thinking about how to all work on one thing without it being super inefficient or feeling like waste or anything like that I also feel like your super fans will appreciate that. Like, yeah, having amazing like liner notes or like shipping like a poster with your album is mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't you don't really need this, but the people that are really into it will appreciate it. All right, so there's another one that, here that I really like, which is don't interview people, audition them. Yes, yes. So I, I, I really dig this. If you were like, if you needed a new guitarist, you would never sit there and be like, what are your thoughts on like chord progressions that are in A minor? What are some of the solos you wrote for your previous band? Yeah, tell me about a time you had to solo in D major and uh, it didn't go very well. What would you say your biggest weakness is? Right, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you would be like, okay, we heard about this dude. Our buddy Joe says he's awesome. He says he knows all our songs and that he's been like listening to a, a fan of our band for like years. Let's bring him out and jam with him for an afternoon and see yeah. how it goes. 
you know? Yep. That's like how we hire people here. You know, yeah, you do some screening calls and stuff to sort of like find the people that you connect with. But like the real test is like the last person we hired, we did three separate pair programming calls with different people on the team for like an hour or two at a time, just working on real stuff and working on stuff that person on the call had any experience with, I think is like a good trick that we use to sort of keep the power dynamic in check. Mm. So Mm. it might be like, here's a JavaScript framework that neither of us know. Let's like try to make something with it. And we both go in as idiots instead of it just Instead of the person at the company sort of, I secretly know the answers to all these and I'm going to see how closely you get to exactly what I want. It's like, let's problem solve together and see how productive it feels, you know? Yeah, I like that. So you, you don't do pre-made problems then? You like you create a fresh thing that, that neither person is familiar with? Yeah, I mean, last time we we'd had like three phases. There's like a call just to sort of like make sure that this is not obviously a bad fit. Then we did like sort of a take home project just to give someone a chance to do something like on their own and make sure that we can evaluate it and be like, yep, okay, it looks like they know what they're doing. Then the final step is like, let's make sure like I actually want to work, collaborate with this person actively every day. So what we'll usually do is talk to the person that we're interviewing and be like, is there anything like that you've wanted to learn or something technology you've wanted to play with that you haven't got a chance to touch yet and find some common ground where there's something that it feels like we have a decent amount of experience or even skewed more in favor of the person that we're interviewing than the person doing the interview. I would rather go in being like the dumb one because there's a lot to learn too from just like, how does this person like help you along and explain like the things that they understand that they want you to understand. Yeah, because I think the, the opposite just feels like crappy to me. I don't think you learn as much when you go in knowing the answers and you just want to see how close the other person gets to it. So like when we interviewed like Robin, who was the first person we hired using this process, me and him tried to make an SVG charting library with Svelte. Neither of us had ever made an SVG charting library. Neither of us had ever used Svelte. And I came away from that call immediately knowing that I wanted to hire him because we just had such like a good time working on it together. And it felt like we were keeping up with each other. It didn't feel like I was waiting for this person to like understand, like catch up with me to like my understanding of the current state of where things were at or whatever. It just felt like we were just back and forth, back and forth. Like, what if we do this? That makes sense. Let's give it a try. You know, it it just, it was just a great vibe. And I think that's exactly what you'd be looking for if you were auditioning, you know, a new drummer or a new guitar player or or whatever. I, I was, I was watching the Metallica some kind of monster documentary i think it was and part of that documentary is during the phase where they brought on like rob trujillo it's their like newest bass player who like has actually been in the band longer than any of their other bass players even though it feels like he's the new guy but i feel like once a band is like way past their prime like 20 years goes by really fast even though it was like only the first seven years of their career that actually mattered you know but there's a part in that after they jammed with him where the documentary is just kind of like over the shoulder watching like the three main band members just talking in a room and they're like, man, this guy makes us play better. You know, Mm. like he's, he's got such a good attitude. Like he gets me so fired up about our own songs, you know? And, And that's exactly like what I want to feel like when we're talking about bringing someone into the company too. So just thinking about things from that that perspective, I think is really, really helpful. Well, anything else you want to hit on this list or do you want to wrap this up? I think that's pretty good. I think if I was going to like try to kind of close on anything, 
I've said yeah. this a bunch of times, but like my favorite quote that I've ever heard is this Walt Disney quote, which is, we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make movies. I want that on my wall. It's just like a constant reminder of like why we even do what we do at this company. Like I like making cool software tools that help people feel like they have superpowers when they're building websites, that that's what brings me joy. Anything we do should be like in service of that, you know? And to me, that's the same as like being in a band. And we're in this band because we love music and we love writing songs. We love performing songs, not because we're trying to make the most money possible or we're trying to play to the biggest crowds or whatever. It's like we do this because this is like what we love and just never kind of forgetting that and never accidentally making a decision that detracts from that. I love it, man. That was great. Well, let's wrap it. Sounds good. All right. Take it easy. You too.